now look at Luke chapter 7, verses 18 to 23. Thank you, guys. Well done. And uh, this is from the NIV. If you're following in your Blackberries, your iPads, pods, and goodness knows what. So let me just pray. Lord, just let you hear what you want to hear. John's disciples told him about all these things, the things being the things that Jesus was doing. Jesus was ministering. He'd raised a woman from the dead. He had uh, spoken healing into, a, into a, a rich man's daughter. All sorts of things were happening. And John, bless his heart, is at this point in, in jail. I, I dare say at this point he's looking forward to being released because he has it in mind that Jesus is going to do something. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But actually, at this point, he's in prison, and he's frustrated. He's a man of action. And to be locked in prison, not knowing what was going on, must have been so flipping frustrating for him. And so he gets bits of news here and there about what Jesus is up to. And actually, he begins to have doubts. Let's read this story. John's disciples told him about all these things that Jesus was doing. Sorry, can we just go back to the the reading again? Thank you. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have just seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. And I'm going to put this in. And then he kind of says, and by the way, by the way, John, blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. It's a personal message to John. The disciples said, well, blessed, okay, fine, we'll do that. They went back and reported that to John. Okay, so John the Baptist is in jail. Jesus is going about his ministry. He's really going for it now, doing what he needs to do. But John hears all of this, and it it throws him a bit. Now, don't get me wrong, he's a godly man, but he's one of our heroes, and the reason we're looking at him is because there are lovely streaks of humanity. John had doubts. Now we can go to that little heading, thank you. Anybody here, let's have an honesty moment. Put your hand up if you've ever had doubts about God and this Christian faith of ours. You see, look at that, oh my gosh. Oh, this is terrible. (laughs) I'm doing a bad job. No, No, it's wonderful, actually. Because one of the things that the world seems to think about Christians is we know it all. But just look at that, a forest of hands. There are moments, aren't there, when we have questions. You know, have you ever thought, I'd like to ask God about that, you know? I just don't know the answer to that. You know, John had questions. And the point I really want you to take away is this. And it's important. It's basically what this teaching is about. John had expectations. Part of this heading. John had expectations. You see, we inevitably come to God 
with our own agenda, with a certain amount of our own baggage. Gosh, I could tell you story after story about when I have been wrong-footed by the Lord because I've come to him believing, thinking, you know, earnestly, faithfully believing that God was going to do something or respond in a particular way, and he doesn't. And then I get all discombobulated, like John the Baptist. And I have doubt, what? What's this about? John had doubts. He had questions. John had expectations, and it's very often our expectations that trip us up. We're not coming to God saying, Lord, everything I have is yours. I surrender my whole life to you. We sing that, and we mean that, and it's earnest, and it's fair, but we still bring stuff into God's presence. So if, if we can say that John the Baptist was a man with a mission, a man with a message, he was also a man with a mindset. He was a man with a mindset. And his mindset was totally understandable. And from the benefit of the 21st century, we can look back and say, oh, yeah, well, that was obvious and understandable. You see, John was old school as well as new school. And the old school in John, the old religious Israel nation, was looking for a Messiah, was looking for the one who would come and establish the kingdom of God on earth again. And it looked like, for them, the expectations was that it looked like the kingdom of David, 700 years previously, where Israel was a powerful nation, where David was on the throne, where the nations around brought brought honor and tribute and all the rest of it. And of course, in their their contemporary uh, situation, John the Baptist was thinking, yeah, we're we're a, a nation that can't blow our nose without permission from the Romans, you know, and... You know, but when the Messiah comes, he will send them packing, and Israel will once again be a great nation, and he will establish the kingdom of heaven on earth, and our Messiah King will be on the throne. And he was so excited, and he was so up for it, and he gave his life earnestly to it, and rightly so. And then Jesus comes, and the Spirit of God falls upon him and, and, and shows John that he is the one, and he's excited, and he expects Jesus to call for a revolution. He's in, pres- in, in prison, and he's thinking, I'm not going to be here long. I'm going to mark the wall. I bet I'll be out. I bet, oh, I, I bet I'll be out on the Sabbath, because that's the religious day. That's when Jesus will, you know, he will do it all. And the Sabbath comes, and the Sabbath goes. And then there's some religious feast. Oh, the 23rd of the month. Yes, of course, that's when J- Jesus will establish the kingdom, and I'll be out of jail then. And the 23rd comes, and the 23rd goes. What the heck's going on, thinks Paul. And so he sends this message. What Jesus does is interesting. He says, doesn't he, to John, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. And what has he just seen and heard? Jesus has done some healings, set some, you know, delivered some demons. Well, even the Pharisees, actually, some of the scribes earned a little pocket money releasing people from demons. But he he does all this in the moment before John's disciples says, okay, now you've seen what you've said, go and tell John what I've just done. The thing is that Jesus is actually his own man, his own self, he is God. And what Jesus is doing is drawing upon some passages and a model for the Messiah that actually the nation of Israel at that time had forgotten because it was not what they quite wanted But Jesus, when he did this, he was 
He was thinking back to Isaiah chapter 29, verses 18 and 19. I don't know whether we can throw that up, but thank you. Isaiah 29 says this, In that day the deaf will hear the words of the scroll, and out of the gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind will see. Once more the humble will rejoice in the Lord, and the needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 29. Jesus was, what Jesus had and what his ministry looked like was Isaiah 35, for example. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. But perhaps most of all what Jesus had in mind was Isaiah 61. And those of you who know your Bible a little bit will know that in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter four, when Jesus begins his ministry before anything has really kicked off, he's in the synagogue in Nazareth and he asks for a particular scroll and he opens up the scroll and it's, uh, it's Isaiah 64. And it's like a mandate. It's like a, po- a politician's mandate. This is the ticket. This is the policy. This is the... The, the, the mission, the mandate that Jesus' his ministry is going to be. And of course he read it and people said, well that was nice, yeah, lovely, nice reading that. I like that reading. But actually for Jesus, this, this was more than just a nice reading on a, a Saturday morning in the synagogue. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners. You see, this is the Messiah. This is God's heart, God's intent. Man's intent is that he comes down and the Messiah comes and sorts out the Romans and sends them packing and everybody gets a, a holiday and the kids get, you know, face painted and have a dance and a lollipop or something, I don't know. That's what Israel's waiting for. Sort these, get rid of these, get these Romans off our back. But Jesus is utterly consistent with the scriptures. And Jesus, who is God and more than man, comes about the kingdom of God. He comes about God's purposes. And John misses it for a moment because, yes, he's in prison and he's frustrated and he's fed up and he's hungry and he's... And in fact, he doesn't know it yet, but he'll never leave prison. In fact, as I said in my last talk, he'll, he'll end up as part of the ignominious and dastardly floor show at one of Henry's banquets when his head is chopped off and brought on a platter. He will never leave prison. But that's not in John's mind. You see, the thing is that all too often I find, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, that my expectations of what God will or won't do at any given time get in the way. And I have to humble myself and come back to the Lord and get on my face and on my knees, and believe me, I do, literally, frequently. I open the book and I say, okay, God, I'm running on ahead a little bit of you there. I, I, I thought this was going to happen. I thought that was going to happen. I, I, I wanted you to do it this way because I thought it would be a really good way of doing it. But no, obviously you're not going to do it that way. What way are you going to do it? Because I want to be a follower of Jesus, not the leader of Jesus. You know, I could tell you stories from this last week. I've got to be careful because I don't want to break pastoral conference, but I have counseled and prayed with people this week 
who are deeply disappointed with God at the moment. Because something that they thought was going to happen did not happen. And they had really worked themselves up into something about this. And they had done this and they'd done that. And when they're, when they're sort of telling me what it is that has gone wrong in their life, it's l- often laced up with religion. It's, look, and I, 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 I gave that away and I did this. And, you know, I made a fool of myself and I said to my colleagues at work. And, or it's kind of like it be, they invent a religion and they do all this religious stuff and the punchline is God does what they want to do. No, it doesn't work like that. And so Jesus says to his precious cousin, John the Baptist, by the way, John, blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. You see, when God does God's stuff, we've got to be careful that we don't reject it or run from it or get angry with him because he's not doing it the way we like it to be. It's a real challenge. And it's humbling. Uh, The best story I have, and those of you who've walked this road with me many years will have heard it several times, but many of you are new. While I was at theological college, one of my best friends on my course, Ian, Married to a lady, I'll call her Sarah. I actually forgot what her name was. Terrible, isn't it? And Sarah, uh, just before lunch it was, very interesting. You'll see why in a minute. Just before lunch, Sarah collapsed while she was in the ladies' loo. And the first we knew about it was that Ian ran up into the dining room. There was about two or 300 students there. And he shouts over all the racket of all the crowd. He says, is there a doctor here? It's a bit like, you know, is there a doctor in the house, you know? And one or two people sort of rose and went over to him, and she was seemingly fitting. Never happened before in the the lady's toilet. Long story short, this is a long story. It's a great story about intercessory prayer, but I haven't got time to tell it. She was taken into hospital, and she, it was as if, uh, it was as if somebody pressed the reset button Everything in her body, bar the essential life uh, modes, was seemingly erased. So she was a vegetable. They scanned her. We didn't have MRI scans then. They did all the other tests they could because they thought this was probably a tumor or something. It was nothing. But she was like, she didn't know anyone. She was breathing. She was, bodily functions were taking place. But there was absolutely nothing. No movement, no nothing, no anything. And this, she was in this state for days. Now, I, I uh, being a very zealous, young and inexperienced young man, I just thought, this is it, God's going to heal her. So a little bunch of us got together and we started praying. And uh, I, I knew that God was going to heal. I just knew that I knew. And uh, it got so bad that, I got so bad, it got so good, if you like, I don't know. But I was telling everybody, without any shame, or God is going to heal her. And in fact, we're going to go down there on such and such a day, and we're going to go into that uh, uh, hospital, and we're going to lay hands on her, and God is, we're going to do the snap, been doing that for years, and, and she's going to get up. And I told all her family who were in the waiting room, because I was visiting her, and I said to Ian, don't worry, mate, God's going to heal her. 
Such was my passion, it has to be said, that it drew some attention. The principal of the college, who, who was a dear man, Colin Buchanan, he's an Anglican bishop now, um, helped write the alternative service book. Very, very, uh, very intelligent man. He came to me and he said, Chris, the hospital have asked me with the chaplain to go down and pray for her. I'd love you to come. He said, I, I can't honestly say I've got your faith, but there's something going on, so you come. So I was so thrilled, I was so honored, I was so, oh my gosh, you know. <laughs> you know, young man, I thought I'd suddenly arrived, you know. So I went and bought this huge great bouquet of flowers. It cost me goodness knows how much, I didn't tell Fliss, you know. And uh, so I arrive in the waiting room, there's the principal of St. John's College Nottingham there, there's the chaplain, there's all the family. I breeze into the waiting room. And I say to this, I, I say to the assembled crowd, don't worry, she'll be with you in just a moment. We're just going to go and pray. Here's the flowers. It's true. Went in, we prayed. Dear old Con did his thing, anointed her with oil. Very angry, can bless him. Sweet man. I did my, come Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, we everyone Snap, 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 you know, clap, 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 snap, snap, you know which I still do, incidentally, and it works normally. <laughs> Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Now, I went back, and I was so humiliated. I went into the, uh, you know, I did the right thing. I went into the waiting room, and uh, I was crushed. I didn't know what had just gone wrong. I apologized to the family for my rashness. You know, that was the right thing to do. The temptation was to run from the building, but I went in and I apologized. Bless their heart, they were so gracious. They said, thank you so much, Chris. You've given us hope, you know. Okay, God will do what God will do, but thank you. They, were, they ministered to me in the midst of their pain and confusion. And uh, I left that place. And what, triggered, what it triggered in me was a John the Baptist type are you really the one, or have I been wasting my life here? Are you who you say you are? I thought you were God. I went out on a limb for you there. You know, who do you think you are? You know, I've left my business. I've, we've given away our house and all the rest. We've, we've committed heart and soul. You owe me, God. I mean, this, it's not like I was doing something crazy. This is in the Bible, God. I went into... Days that ran into weeks of profound anger and depression. It was only the eventual ministry of another good friend of mine who spoke God's prophetic word to me. And basically, I was at a crossroads and I could choose. Either I went with God and had to walk by faith rather than by the facts, with a, a lifetime where there's a lifetime of, of struggle and Lifetime where there is no certainty of this time of glory. A lifetime of, of struggle, or I just walked off and went back into business. And I, I hung on that moment. You know, the prophetic word was choose. You've got to choose. What do you want to do? It's your choice, Chris. I'm not going to make you. Well, as it happened, as I'm here, I chose to walk by faith. And the end of the story is that she did get well over the next month, progressively. The doctors and nurses said to my friend, Ian, well, she's been here like this for 10 days. That's very bad. You know, she's, there's no glimmer of her coming out of this coma, so you need to prepare yourself, da-da-da-da-da. 
she'll never move again. Within three hours, she was thrashing around on the bed in a spasmoid manner, but she was thrashing around. It was extraordinary. We were excited, but the doctors and nurses weren't all that excited. They then said, uh, okay, well, you know, that's, that's a good sign. Um, but she'll never, she'll never be able to hear again, she'll never be able to see again, she'll never be able to talk, because, you know, there are some people we can introduce you to and who can help you with that, but this is going to be a challenge here. He's whispering to her just before he goes home, that night, I love you, darling. And with that, she turned his ear, she turned her head towards him. Three days later, she starts to see again. A week later, she starts to speak again. Four weeks later, she walks into the dining room at St. John's College, and the whole place goes crazy. She always was a little different. She always was a little bit awkward in her movement. And two years later, while she was doing her face, it was the end of the course, just to remember this, she was in the ladies, and she fell on the floor and died instantly. Same place in the loo. Extraordinary, isn't it? It was like Father gave her back to us because he knew we were, we were learning a lesson there. But the lesson is this, just as, poor, as John, we come to God with our expectations, our doubts, our fears, and our questions. There's nothing wrong with that. But the challenge of the disciple is to keep humbling ourselves before God and say, oh, I got it wrong again, Lord. Oh, Not my way, Lord. Your Lord. So where are we up to? We go back to school. So if you're nursing anger against God because of unfulfilled dreams or expectations, wherever they are, why don't you let him off the hook? Why don't you forgive God and in so doing, be forgiven? And why don't you get yourself down here afterwards and do a little business with God and say, sorry, God, I'm so sorry. You read my mail this morning. I didn't see it, but now I see it. Lead on, Lord Jesus. Lead on. Let's all stand. Can I have the worship team back up? Overrun a little bit this morning, forgive me. Now, this morning, after that healing thing, God will have healed some of you. Please don't be shy. Please will you send in emails. Let's hear what God did. Father, I want to say thank you to you for your presence. Lord, we so often get it wrong. Even the great and the good and the godly get it wrong. Thank you for this hero's lesson where we're beginning to see perhaps the darker side of some of our heroes, that they had to learn painful lessons in order to align themselves with the king and his kingdom. And we would be a people who are not bearing grudges against you against one another, but we would be free and we would press on in and pursue you and your kingdom. And everyone said, Amen.